Welcome into the bad fan college football upsets galore for the best conference in football. Yes, I am talking about the Sunbelt Conference. Wait, the Sunbelt Conference? Yes. Now see what damage they inflicted on some of the biggest names in college football, probably from that conference you thought I was talking about. And the Queen's untimely death has had a large rippling effect on the footballing world. And NFL Week 1 has passed with much to talk about. Your journey discussing all of this and more with the bad fan begins right now. Well, hello and welcome in. I am your host, Cole Carter, and we are glad to have you alongside with, uh, alongside with us for another edition of The Bad Fan. My friends Stephen Curl and Brendan Paisnick are alongside me today in a shuffled order, if you haven't noticed, for episode 37 of The Bad Fan. Lads, what is good? How was your first week in fantasy football? Get some wins, some losses. What's happening? Yes, I got a win, a very close win. Um, I don't know who put it over the edge. It was the Monday night game, though, so it came down to the last day. Um, starting the week off strong in fantasy. Let's go, Steve. Um, yeah, I feel attacked by that question. I scored the second least amount of points in our league. Um, week number one, I lost um, to Blaine Tiller, um, even though he had Allen Robinson and Cam Akers, um, which I think both combined and scored like one point on Thursday Night Football last week. Um, anyways, it's a rebuilding year. It's a culture year. We're working on the drills on and off the field. Um, you know, you got to tear something down when it's unhealthy to build it back up. So um, mm, that's a word. Yeah, our sights are on for um, 2020, 2023. So, Brandon, you and I probably know this. Really, what that means is. Steven's about to trade all his players and garner some draft picks. Stop, for next year. stop. <laughs> yeah, and somehow I, make playoffs and try to make a run at the end of the year. Uh, he does it no, every no, year. No, 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 no. Steve's going to have the most transactions in our league. It's it's going to mm. happen. It's That's what it's shaping up to be. I came out with a win. Uh, I think I scored the most points in the league. I'm not expecting that every week, um, but it does feel good to at least start off on the right foot after being the worst team in our league last season. I'm glad to get a win because I think I was winless until the last game last year. So it does feel a little good, admittedly. Um, yeah, let me hop in here before we get into the to the meat of the pod. Um, my grandparents are staying with me this week, and they they love the Bad Fan Podcast. So oh, I let my grandpa choose my my jersey uh, this week. So shout it. out to them and and the Braves who overtook first and then lost it, and then did they take it back? I'm not. Well, they were just it's they not were a good just, time. Uh, left. Well, the Mets just got swept by the Cubs, so the <laughs> okay. Braves have hung on. I think they're. A half game or one game back right now. Yeah. So, we put it so back the Braves in. have been sliding, but the Mets also just got swept. The things could have been a lot worse than they are, but hey, we're still right there. And it sees fact checking me right now. Yeah. Sports uh, are just, crazy right now. Sports are crazy right now. And I love it. So, yeah. Baseball is coming down the stretch. Unless we're only a game back. A game back. Exactly. After a rough, we had an okay series against the Manners, but yeah, in San Francisco was not ideal. Uh, but the Mets getting swept for the first time all year against one of the bottom dwellers in the National League. So we'll take it. Uh, but we're going to begin our bad fan journey after that great shout out from Brandon with, as we talked about, the Sun Belt, the best football conference so far in 2022, upsetting teams all over the place, uh, beginning with the most notable, uh, debatable, I guess depends on how you look at it. This one got a coach fired. Uh, Georgia Southern went in to Nebraska. Uh, this one was a nail biter. It went down to the wire. Uh, I mean, Georgia Southern being a team that has sort of struggled in the past couple of years, 
They bring in Clay Helton, the former USC head coach who had been disposed of and replaced with Lincoln Riley, and they go in and they upset Scott Frost. His Cornhuskers are done. Uh, 45-42, that is the final score for Brandon. This guy was only on the job for four years, but something went wrong. What, what happened? Well, he never had a winning season. Uh, when he ah. took over at Nebraska, they weren't very good. Um, they, I think Martinez, he might still be there. I think he's like a <laughs> seven-year quarterback at Nebraska. So he probably got an extra him. year because of COVID. It's like he's yeah, exactly. now. Yeah, so the COVID year, I think, what, they only played, I think, seven games, maybe eight games. Still a losing record there. Um, and the other two were not great. And I think last year, I have it here, yeah, three and nine record last year. That is absolutely awful. Um, you know, Scott Frost had high expectations coming in in Nebraska, trying to turn that program around like he did with UCF, making them national champions, right? I guess we can say that by the NCAA standards. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know where he'll go next. Probably he'll show up on Alabama's, um, coaching roster at some point, and yep. then he'll go on to coach in the NFL or something. Probably. Yeah. He'll, he'll run the circuit. Like everyone does. It's sort of like a rehab program. You kind of get yeah. fired from your job. You go work for Nick Saban you get a job somewhere else. You do well. I mean, this, this is a guy, <laughs> I think he was one of the most high paid coaches in history. I think when he was hired at Nebraska, God, high expectations. And then totally falls flat, never really had control of the program. And yeah, just an embarrassment, especially a guy, I think he was an alumni from Nebraska. So mm. just a bigger slap in the face to, to really fall yeah. flat there with, you know, him hoping to become big 10 contenders. Um, but yeah, not, not, not for him. Uh, Georgia Southern wins the day and take over Nebraska this week and getting paid like a million and a half dollars to do so as well. Uh, people gotta gotta remember that these teams that are smaller, like from the Sun Belt, are coming in to beat these teams for a high price, which brings in another Sun Belt team, Marshall, the Thunder and Herd. Really, mm. <laughs> I mean, we are Brandon, Marshall, baby. Brandon, go ahead and set the scene for us on this one. Yeah, you know, close game. Um, I don't think really anybody was expecting this at all. Marshall's, I mean, I. Who knows where, where the Sun Belt's going to end up this year, but you probably wouldn't put them in the top three in the Sun Belt. Um, it's their first year, actually, I believe, in the Sun Belt, right? We got them and Old Dominion coming mm -hmm. over. Um, James Madison, too, I think. Did James Madison come over? Okay, wow. A couple teams. So Sun Belt's only getting stronger, it seems like. But yeah, um, setting the scene, right? Fourth quarter, Marshall's winning 19 to 15. Okay. Notre Dame has the ball. It's third and three at their own 32. It's like four and a half minutes left. You know, you're thinking any, any fan here is probably thinking, well, Notre Dame definitely has a better team, right? They're going to go down, put a four minute drive on the field and win the game. That is not what happened. And on this play in particular, the Notre Dame quarterback drops back, throwing to a comeback route for the first down in the Marshall center. I said center back, cornerback, get soccer out of my head. Cornerback <laughs> jumps the route and boom, pick six. That wins the game for them. Notre Dame did go down and score. Um, so it made it, you know, I guess look close in the end, 26 to 21. But um, that play really sealed it for Marshall. And wow, what a crazy crazy turn of events. Notre Dame has two losses, one to a ranked team, one to a unranked team. 
And it feels good knowing they can't be in any playoff talk anymore. Nope. It just feels nope. good to get them out of the way early. We don't have to talk about them in November, first week of December anymore. Just get out of the way. They can go have their little rebuild year. Um, I think it's Coach Williams, but um, yeah. SBC. SBC. <laughs> Sunbelt Conference. Sunbelt Funbelt, baby. Watch out. Making waves. But hey, they weren't even done yet. That wasn't even the biggest upset of the week because App State comes into College Station, beats the number six ranked team, Texas A&M. App State, this is a team that has kind of been a perennial quote-unquote powerhouse for the Sun Belt. Um, they were a really good FCS team. They made their way up to FBS, into the Sun Belt, and have been a really solid team. They've been in top 25 rankings before. Um, and they come into College Station and beat App State by a field goal. I mean, I mean, it's what we're 2022, 2008, 2007. That's when they had that huge upset about that team. Brian, you won't say the name. I'll say it's Michigan. Um, Michigan at that point, I believe, was like a top five ranked team as well. And that's historical. That was one of the first big instances. Did you hear that, Graham? A big, a big team losing to a small team. Like that was the first real big example of that. And now, and we get three in one weekend. So it just kind of shows you how the power dynamic has shifted in college football. You know, we're in this new age of NIL deals and players getting paid and conference shifting around. And Texas A&M has been at the center of that with Jimbo Fisher. They've been buying players uh, the talk of debate between Fisher and Nick Saban, um, you know, talking about buying players and whatnot. So it's been crazy off season with all of that, all these new things. And app state says, Hey, you know what? We're going to focus on our football and we're going to go beat this team in front of 108,000 people. Incredible feat. And now, as a reward, they get to host College Game Day for the first time in their team's history. Amazing. So, amazing weekend for the Mountaineers. Um, I mean, it's just, at this point, A&M has such a hill to climb if they won't have any chance of coming out of the SEC West for a college football spot. Uh, you have Alabama in front of them, which no one's really going to slow them down unless A&M does it themselves. So, Brandon, what does this mean for A&M and their outlook in the future? I don't know. I think they, you know, they had the number one recruiting class. Obviously, that means a lot of young talent that Jimbo Fisher needs to mold. Um, but this is not a good loss. <laughs> um, App State is probably the best team in the Sun Belt, to be fair, and has historically been really good over the past couple years. Um, honestly, I think ever since they they beat uh, Michigan, so. Um, but yeah, it's really, really weird. Spending a lot of money to make your program good and then losing to an unranked team does not a great look. Um, Jimbo Fisher got out coached. Um, his team got outplayed on the day. Um, you know, it was so, super interesting watching this game. And I was flipping through all these games because I felt like all of them were going on at the same time. Um, it was almost like a tactical like soccer match like watching burnley play liverpool or something like i don't know if you saw this app state had double the amount of time on the ball like offensive possession than texas a&m did and that was on purpose no rushing the huddle no none of that like from the get-go we're like holding on to the ball when they when they had it on offense and then their defense got stops when they needed it and i don't know amazing amazing upset there um i'd be worried if i was a texas a&m fan yeah yeah honestly no no you're right you're right the uh that is a real strategy i mean you would see that with teams like 
Georgia Tech, when they would run the option, you know, control the ball for 36 minutes, like, and give, you know, the other team, like, nine minutes, whatever, however many, I guess it'd be more than 36. Anyways, whatever the math is. And it's just, yeah, you, you control the possession and you play well on defense, and that's a good formula to win the game. I mean, Georgia's even an example of that, honestly, as a top team in the country, is Georgia yeah. does not look good when we throw the ball over 30 times. Like, there's obviously exceptions, but, you know, Georgia's a team, too, as well, that likes to run that football, hold on to possession, because you can't score if you don't have the ball. <laughs> um, so, yeah, crazy upset. Also been- has the best defense in the country. Yeah, They're absolutely that's- phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. True. Well, I was going to say the last thing about A&M and um, App State was uh, A&M does their midnight yell. It's like that big tradition the night before they get like the, not the whole stadium, but a large portion of it filled up. And Don't talk um, about the cheerleader. Don't do it. You don't want me to? No, I'm just kidding. Go for it. (laughs) He uh, apparently was trash talking, talking about these hillbillies who can't read and write, coming to College Station, just like saying, what do they know? And. Um, there's no way, you know, they could beat us, whatnot, and uh, yeah, Qu- he got Quote. turned on so quick. I had to look up App State. Uh, App State isn't even a state. That was my favorite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what are they teaching you over there in College uh, Station? Damn. Not much. So I'm glad, I'm glad he got put into his spot after that loss. Um, the other big, I think this is the biggest game was Texas taking on Alabama. Um, I didn't get the chance to watch it, but the final result being 2019 in favor of Alabama, a late field goal to put them ahead. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched this one, but you have any thoughts regarding Alabama or the age-old question being, is Texas back? Steve, did you watch this at all? I watched the end of it, yeah. I only have a quick, quick thing to say. I think Alabama, after this game, listen, Nick Saban, the best coach to ever draw breath in his lungs on this planet. Um... After the game, there's a funny little soundbite of uh, some Alabama players are doing the horns down. Um, and Nick Saban, you could see, running to meet the other coach midfield after the game to shake hands, just looks over at he, something along the lines of, like, cut, like, cut that shit out. And <laughs> you just, even though Alabama wins this game, like, you know these players are going to be running their weight in laps. Oh, like, yeah all week long i'm not worried if i'm an alabama fan to be honest you're glad you escaped with a w um and you just have confidence in nick saban if you're an alabama fan and and i'm not worried this is this is the best dynasty in college football that we've seen since we've been alive so um i think they'll write the ship texas isn't back sorry mcconaughey um but hey you know tough break for texas almost pulled off something awesome um, and it was a it was a heck of a game. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Um, you know what? Alabama did not look great at times last year. Um, not typical as some seasons pass, but even though they you know had the Heisman on their team and whatnot, they they almost lost to Auburn, which is a rivalry, whatever. But Auburn almost lost to Georgia State last year. Uh, maybe should have. So that really tells you the skill level at Auburn right now. Um, and they almost lost to a backup quarterback at Texas. Let me, let me remind you, Quint Ewers went out, I think in the second quarter and he was bossing. That's a Texas quarterback, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Um, but bossing Alabama's defense around throwing dimes. They weren't scared to, you know, 
throw bombs down the field. I mean, looking really good, gets hurt, and the game completely changes. It just, like, stalled right when he got hurt. Um, um, also, some interesting referee calls. I don't know if you guys saw any of that drama. You but... and the referees, whether it be soccer or football. This one would have changed the game. It was a safety for Texas against Alabama, and then I don't yeah. know if you saw it, but a lot to explain. Go go watch it. But, um, yeah, Bryce Young also did not look good. Um, mm-hmm. And I was not impressed by him at all. Not at all. For for a lot of the season last year, he, I don't think he was super impressive. Um, still a Heisman favorite uh, with C.J. Stroud, but – Interesting. We'll see where Alabama goes from here. Um, is Texas back? We love that question. No, I'm not convinced that they won't go and lose two or three more games this year to random opponents. Um, but if they can, if they can grab that energy that they had in this opening game and take it into the rest of the season, there's a chance there might be a conversation come the end of the year for for top four. It's a lot. It's a lot to ask from Texas, to be honest, but we'll it's see. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to say something. And I don't know how people feel about this. Just go ahead and but say it. I really want to get rid of the horns down slander. This mm. is not a hate crime. This is not like anything mm. it's made out to be. This is hilarious. And the fact that people keep freaking out about it, I think is so blown out of proportion. I can't remember... It happened last year. There's literally there was something like official, like it was like you couldn't do it. It was almost like you flicking off someone if you're doing horns down. I can't remember like <laughs> like it's something stupid. I'm just like, you know, Nick Saban would probably have wrung Baker Mayfield's neck out because remember when he planted the flag at the 50 yard line? Yes. It's like, what would he do to him if that happened on his team? It's like someone doing this is nothing. I, I don't know. I think it's. Hilarious. I mean, you know what I you sign up for when you when you commit to Alabama under Nick Saban. Yeah, like for sure, he he runs that ship. I don't know if Kirby Smart. I mean, Kirby Smart wouldn't care. Kirby Smart. I mean, quoted uh, Larry Munson, and there's going to be a lot of property damage tonight after winning the national title. Like Kirby's that guy and just goes for it. But you know, it's a, true. to Bama's credit, you know, and Saban he runs a tight ship, very traditional um kind of coaching style and if you're not about it mm, you're probably not gonna see any playing time but i i agree i think the horns down's fun make college football fun we're paying the kids now might as well like have them run away with it i love it true and yeah georgia's georgia had their chance to do that to get texas but then they lost them the sugar bowl so you know yeah that's okay anyways <laughs> we won the national championship so um, other, <laughs> other big games uh number nine baylor they went down against byu 26 20 kentucky beat florida they look like a real real problem in sec east um georgia's got to watch their back if they have any stumbling this year kentucky is going to be breathing down their neck yeah. um that's for sure florida doesn't look bad but kentucky does look very good the past couple seasons um, and overtime, Tennessee, they beat number 17 Pitt, the ACC champions from last season, 34-27. And Houston, they go down against Texas Tech, 33-30. to They were the 25th ranked team before that loss. So um, college football, a great start to the season. So many awesome matchups. And guys, we're just getting started. So much left to see and uh, so excited to see, you know, what happens with Georgia. Can they repeat as champions? And also just the other games that will come down the line. But Florida, um, 
I don't think they'll have much to go against the Georgia Bulldogs. SEC East will be between the Wildcats and the Dogs. But excited to see what happens. Um, in the NFL, uh, guys, as we talked about our fantasy weeks, uh, NFL's back week one. Um, some great things that happen and some terrible things that happen, particularly mm. if you're a Falcons fan. Um, the first week always has these odd matchups. Um, like it seemed like the NFL intentionally does their schedule to have these like um, kind of like breakup reunions. Uh, so the first one being that uh, Baker Mayfield leaving the Cleveland Browns, getting traded to Charlotte. Um, sorry, not Charlotte, Carolina. I mean, they play in Charlotte. Anyways, yeah. uh, Carolina. Uh, and then they conveniently play each other. Uh, the Browns did get their revenge over Baker beating the Panthers. Um, I think the favorite game that I watched was Monday night. Um, that was between Seahawks and Denver, and they beat their old quarterback, Russell Wilson. Um, anything that was notable from week one in the NFL for you guys? Um, I mean, I, we could talk about the Cowboys. They looked horrible on Sunday night football. Um, seemed like I didn't see them honestly cross the halfway part of the field. Uh they just look terrible. Dak Prescott going out um, with a hand injury. I think like five weeks. That's rough to see. Um, that Denver game was also crazy to see them try to attempt a 60-yard field goal. Well, it's crazy. They fumbled the ball twice at the one-yard line. Yeah, yeah. that was insane. That was and insane. It's just like that, that cost them the game. And I was watching the Manning cast, and they yeah. were sitting there talking on the fourth and five. like With Shannon Sharp. Yeah, well, they were talking about, like, why are you letting the clock run down? Why are you letting the clock run down? And for me, I was thinking of the mindset they were always going to kick the field goal. And I was like, well, duh, if you kick the field goal too early, too much time, you know, Seattle comes back the other part of the field and they kick a field goal. So I was, I thought it was sort of strange for those NFL minds to not get that. But obviously, it's from 64 yards out. It didn't work out for the Broncos, but no, that was definitely a crazy ending of the game. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of crazy first week games. I don't know if this happens every year, but it was it was really weird. The uh, Steelers versus Bengals game. I don't know if you guys watched this, but um, I think Joe Burrow had four turnovers in the first half and then um, came back to lead his team to tie the game. They go into overtime and there's, I think, three field goals missed or something crazy like that. One off the post. Um, I saw it at the tail end. The Steelers ended up, winning off of a field goal but really weird game very very weird game um something else to mention you know the chiefs are good the bills are good um and the vikings kirk cousins um they looked really good (laughs) they looked really that dude we'll see we'll see what he turns out being this year but they have a top five player in the nfl and Justin jefferson i mean look they were hot against Green Bay, and that could continue. Well, I think on some of the metrics, I think Kirk Cousins is like somewhere around top five and mm. most mm. categories that matter. I, I don't mm. know. I, I, I don't think he gets the respect he deserves in some ways. I mean, he got paid. Um, but, yeah, I think the Vikings could be that sleeper team coming out of the NFC North. You traded for Kirk Cousins not too long ago, didn't you, Brandon? Is that was that like last year or two years ago in fantasy or am I just tripping? Uh, it might have been COVID year, so like it didn't count or didn't matter. Mm. Hey, mm-hmm. hey. Well, I know the one that hit close to home. Uh, whew, 
you know, the Falcons, they really had me in the first half, not going to lie, which sort of seems like a theme with them, doesn't it? They look look sort of (laughs) good. Sort of a theme. They do really well in the first half, looking like a complete football team, and then you get to the fourth quarter, and it's like, wait, I thought... And then then they fall apart in disastrous form, and just it sucks even more to have it happen against your biggest rival at home being up what 17 points against the saints. And then just like letting them march down the field twice late in the fourth quarter, score easy touchdowns with Michael Thomas. It's just like, come on, man, we lose the ball. Um, well you fumble the ball on what third or fourth down with Mariota, you fall short of the first down. And then it was just that ending, getting your field goal blocked. It was just such an embarrassment. I mean, come on. It, is there so any hope bad. for this Falcons team anymore? Is this like we're going to be relegated to eternal doom and hell of oh just being gosh. terrible? Ever cool. since that Super Bowl, we've been bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, <clears throat> the Falcons are going to Falcon, right? Like, I, I'm going to butcher a stat from Atlanta Sports Talk Radio I was listening to the other day. And something along the lines of the Falcons have blown like 10 point leads in the fourth quarter uh, over the past like four years, more than every other NFL team combined Jeez. over that time span. Something insane. I got, I got, I know that doesn't help. It's literally something insane. Like you see all the memes on Twitter, all the screenshots, like, it just keeps getting bigger. It just, bigger, it just, it just keeps bigger getting bigger every year. Like you can't hurt me about the Super Bowl. That's old news, honestly. Yeah. Like it still, it still holds a place in my heart. But it's just kind of a thing that you expect out of this Falcons team at this point, which is pretty sad. Like Jarvis Landry going out there, like 120 yards receiving. It's just like, okay, <laughs> like I don't know. I, it sucks. I, I post on my Instagram story. I said, "You can't hurt me anymore." Uh, honestly, score like, picture. <laughs> just, no one's surprised really, anymore. No one's surprised, and you can't hurt me. It's um, you know, in the blink in the blink of midwinter, you know, like in Peaky Blinders. Everything else is just bonus. You know, if we win a game, woo! But you right. expect to lose. Uh, yeah, they they get your hopes up for a little bit, and then just until we win the super bowl that new that new quarterback we drafted he said we're gonna get one so des i like his ambition but you can't do it from the bench big guy no and he's probably not gonna get the starting position either anytime soon (laughs) as long as marcus is healthy i mean marcus didn't look bad i Mm -mm. i can't really fault him much i think the defense were the ones that needed to make a big stop and they didn't in the fourth but yeah as long as he's healthy, Desmond will be riding the bench. He'll be Desmond Ryder of the bench. Oh, nice. That was not good. I'm That's sorry. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll mute myself and leave for a bit. Y'all can talk. Um, no, I'm kidding. But hey, NFL's back. Glad to have it. Football in full swing now. Um, this one won't stop until February, first week of February when the Super Bowl happens. So football is back for good. Um, well, Champions League, that's one we love to talk about. That's where our focus is at. Mm-hmm. All eyes on Champions League because there's already so many good matchups that have been on the slate. Um, we got another reunion, much like we talked about the NFL. Um, Erling Holland, Holland, Holland. He scored a great goal against his former home. Uh, talking about Borussia Dortmund. I mean, again, 
we've talked about this just like it's unfair having this guy on the team and he just brings out this incredible goal once again and is he can't be stopped can he no he's not going to be stopped i think rodri with the pass right i think it was rodri with the outside of the boot so oh my god please that needs to be on on the cover of this one holland's like mid-air like kick it's honestly zlatan-esque but like to another level you know what i mean like just seeing what he can do uh it's it's so fun to watch and they look like they were gonna lose they honestly look like they were gonna lose or tie that game and just magic and that's why you pay the money for these players right pep pep knows what he wants and these guys just come and play in big moments and God, definitely goal of the champions league so far uh, might be end up being the goal of the tournament. It was just gorgeous. And most guys would probably have headed that ball, right? And or tried he, to. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the one that makes the acrobatic play to get it with his foot when it's, I mean, that, that ball is probably higher than my entire frame, like <laughs> five, six feet in the air. He gets that ball pretty incredible. Uh, yeah. Steve, did you see that amazing goal? I did saw a little comparison with Cruyff in a black and white um, footage. Back. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a crazy goal. Holland's really good. I mean, I don't really have much else to say. Well, it's funny you mentioned that uh, Zlatan Brandon as today is Zlatan's anniversary of his 500th goal, the one where he had that incredible karate kick across his body against Chicago. Um, yep, his 500th goal that he did. Wow. I mean. That's one of the most incredible goals I've ever seen. The volley out of the air, freaking karate kicking it. I mean. Yeah, he's good. That's that's one of the best goals I've ever seen, to be honest. <laughs> um, but really, I think most eyes were not on the Man City Dortmund game, but really on Robert Lewandowski making the trip with his new club, Barcelona. And they go on to take Bayern Munich. And Steve, what happened on this one? What happened? Listen, they fell short. Things went wrong for Barcelona. It was no goals for Barcelona, but a hell of a lot of service for Robert Lewandowski. In that first half, it is all Barcelona. Neuer making some fantastic kick saves against Pedri. Um, and then Lewandowski, honestly, just off the mark. It was so weird to see. Scoring for fun so far in his Barcelona career, um, new career. Um yeah, it was all Barcelona, honestly. They played really well, incredibly creative. Gavi and Pedri, two of the youngest players in the field, acting like they've been here, done that against some of the giants of UEFA. So that was really cool to see. Rafinha looked very threatening, but there just was no finishing product, um, which was sad to see. And then second half comes out, and Bayern withholding on that pressure, scores on the set piece, Lucas Hernandez, uh, not marked by Marcus Alonso. Uh, pretty easy header. Um, and then from there, Bayern just took control of the game, honestly. It was literally like you're riding in the passenger seat and you like switch the steering wheels. Like, this is mine now. Um, Bayern ran away with it. Leroy Sané had an incredible goal. Um, using he's his looking speed. great in Bayern. Yeah, he's looking really good. And there's been a lot of questions about Leroy Sané as well. Um, his involvement with Bayern, his involvement with City back in the day. For some reason, his starting position for his clubs just has always been questioned. So it's good to see him feeling comfortable, feeling good with his football. 
um, looking for a lock for this German national team starting position as well. But yeah, it was uh, ended up being a two nil Bayern win. However, however, I'm I'm still buying it on this Barcelona dark horse. They looked really good. Like yeah, it was a great match. Yeah, it, it, all things you know, ironic, like except for the goals, like was there. The creativeness was there. The it's just Lewandowski on a bad night scores at least two goals, honestly. And on a night that doesn't make sense, he doesn't score at all. That's what that was this night. Like he had so many chances. The service that like and you see the embarrassment of riches that Barca has. I won't talk about it too much, but the Rafinha, the Ferran Torres, the Usman Dembele, the it's this is a very, very, very good team. And seeing them lose two zero. For the chances that they created, they're up for it. Um, so and it's early. So, anyways, uh, it was like it was a great game. No Lewandowski goal. You wanted to see the drama, him scoring against his former club, but didn't happen. But yeah, Bayern definitely looks favorites to top the group now. Yeah, they do. But uh, there's another team that had a really bad day that ended up 2 0. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Our hometowners. Yeah, I'm talking about Tottenham. Uh, Spurs are going to Spurs. Yeah, they lost 2 0 to Sporting, didn't they, lads? Um, Brandon, I, I know. Yeah, yeah, and I know you're not the Tottenham guy in the group, but you do follow the boys. And this one just was so out of character. We've, we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast, but mentioning the idea of playing to teams at your level and then playing down to teams, right? And this one just felt like Tottenham tried to play down to Sporting and Sporting took advantage of that. And mm-hmm. Tottenham got lazy. They weren't getting the ball in attacking positions. And even when they did, they weren't putting him the goal. I mean, I think Harry Kane, this might have been one of his worst games he's had in Tottenham shirt. I think realistically, I, he never had any good touches. I think he lost the ball probably more than anyone else on the team. It was shocking to see, you know, just how, like, I don't know if it was just a bad day for him. Like, if he just didn't show up at the stadium feeling well, like, I don't know. But he was very much out of character, and it it showed, and it really kind of uh, permeated to the rest of the Tottenham team. I think our best attacking player on the day was the one that people have been smashing the most, and that was Emerson Royale. Emerson got into attacking positions two or three times, and that was really our best chances almost all game, I think. And I don't know. I, I think, Steven, I don't know if you had any instant reactions from it, but I came away from that game thinking, one, Hugo Luis kept us in that game. It could have been a lot worse. He had some really good saves. He did not deserve, as Eric Dyer said, to lose that game. Um, but, yeah, Tottenham needed at least a point out of this one. And now Sporting takes the top of the group, and Tottenham's got some work to do moving forward. Yeah, I'll push back a little bit. I'll go. I'll hop on my Emerson hate train. Um He's a defender, and he's responsible for the two goals that went in. Um, one of them getting nutmegged um, in a garbage time goal. I guess it didn't really matter. Um, and the other giving the ball away. And Eric Dyer also doing his best Davidson Sanchez impression of falling on his face. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we didn't look good. And I said it after the first game, too. We didn't look good, honestly, in that first half against Marseille. And... We approached sporting to your point about playing down to a team with the exact same lineup that we would if we were to go against Manchester City, um, which I don't think is the right choice all the time. Um, we didn't really go for the game. Tottenham plays sitting back, counterattack football. We do it best in the Premier League. Um, but when you're going up against international, 
you know, league opponent against Sporting that plays a very similar style. Um, Tottenham got got really honestly, um, and I'm I'm concerned, but I'm not worried. It's Tottenham's first loss on the entire year in all competitions. Um, so there's you can spin it that way if you'd like, and you'd rather have that loss honestly in the group stage of Champions League um, than the Premier League. So. Uh, I think there's a lot of points to take away from this game. Conte is going to with the boys in the shape. Uh, Richarlison had a great opportunity for a header from uh, a ball in by Perisic. I've been blown away with Perisic. Um, he's delivering fantastic balls. And so another bad game for Sun. Yeah. That's that's kind of, again, concern. I'm not hitting the panic button. Hopefully a full 90 minutes against Leicester would be great for him and his confidence. But yeah, you know. It's a 2-0 loss on the day. Um, Emerson, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, he's just not good at defending. Like, and we just paid $60 million for Charleston. Like, he he go score the goals. Like, I don't know. Provide the service. And he did look good. He looked threatening, which is, you love to see it. But I don't know. The defensive thing is, is you know, you and I have a little discourse on, on Emerson. We usually have a player of contention, whether it be Davidson Sanchez or... Eric or Emerson, Dyer. Eric Dyer, <laughs> who did get called up to the Finally. national team, by the way. Yeah, he, and he des- he deserves it, honestly. Definitely, um, as much Definitely. flack as I give him. But anyways, um, I did watch this game, by the way. In my last, I'll throw in a little two cents here, throwing a little change. Um, yeah, it looks like Tottenham just have not gotten out of like first or second gear this year yet. Yeah, um, they've looked pretty consistent over the games. This is probably their worst performance of the year. Sporting definitely deserved to win and almost scored a beautiful team goal. Um, God. But, Marcus, um, Marcus, was, Marcus Edwards, the former Tottenham player, looking yeah, like yeah, Messi, which Pochettino attributed that Messi quality. And he, he showed it that uh, that one play. Yeah. So that's really all I have to say. Again, I'm, I wouldn't be worried for them. Yeah. You want to lose in the Champions League over the Premier League. Uh, I think they will go and beat Leicester, you know, playing their pra- pragmatic style. Um but Conte's also never done super well in the Champions League. So, you know, if if they keep losing games there, which I don't think will happen, because, um, again, it is a pretty easy group, um, then I would start to get worried. But, yeah, I think, you know, this is just one loss. And also Tottenham's not expected to win every single game in the Champions League group, right? They're not yeah. a Chelsea. They're not a Man City. They're not a, hell, Liverpool, whatever. Um, so I think they'll, they'll definitely be fine. Yeah. Well, talking about Chelsea, um, things looking awry once again, in the champions league for them falling to Salz was a solver. Did they fall to Salzburg? No, drew drew they drew, but it goes, makes them go bottom of the group. Um, I did not see this one at all, but tell me guys, Chelsea stuck in the mud right now, aren't they? Yeah. Steve, did you watch any of this? Um, I watched the highlights. I mean, it's there's not too much to take away from the game, honestly, um, that we haven't said already uh, about Chelsea and Grand Potter's first game in charge. Like, it's kind of one of those wash games. I mean, you're, you're kind of glad almost that it's a draw, not a loss. Like Salzburg's yeah. no pushover, but the reality is that you're Chelsea Football Club and you shouldn't be the bottom of this group of the competition that they're going up against. And so I think Chelsea's focus is not champions league this year. It should be finishing in the top four. Um, 
in the Premier League. I think that is that is their goal. That should be their goal. Um, but it's still really weird to see Chelsea at the bottom of the group. Only two games in, but you just don't see it going right, honestly, any time. You don't see a dramatic shift coming anytime soon. Yeah. Um, I might disagree with that, but... Chelsea typically wins most games, if not every game in the in the group stage. So it is weird to see them not win. Um, they're actually, you know, like you said, bottom. They have a loss and a tie. Um, but this game was actually very entertaining. It looked like Brighton was playing um, soccer in the Champions League, to be mm-hmm. honest, just with a lot better players. Um, I watched a, a lot of it. And, um, I mean, you had Raheem Sterling almost playing a left back at times. Just Grant Potter, I think, is very tactically flexible in-game. Um, so, man, Reese James, I think, covered every blade of grass on the field, it seems like. He was playing winger. He was playing center back. He was playing midfield. Um, it was crazy to watch, but it was very entertaining. And you can see that, obviously, the first game, he's only had, what, less than a week to work with yeah. him? Um you can see already, though, what Graham Potter is capable of. And if, if it clicks, which that is a big question, if it clicks for this Chelsea team and Graham Potter, they're going to be, again, really fun to watch like, like Brian was. I, I will say I'm very interested, and Cole, you might have thoughts on this. Graham Potter, and Steve, you actually mentioned this, Graham Potter is walking into a team who's sort of been a mess over the last couple months. Um, but should they focus only on Premier League? Um, or should they be focusing on everything like they're expected to? I think I think they have to focus on every single competition because they have the team for it. Um, but that's not really a test for the players necessarily because they've all been there and they've all done that. Graham Potter is going to immediately come under pressure. And I mean immediately. Hopping into the Champions League, just wait till the FA Cup and Carabao Cup come back. Um, the Premier League, if they start sinking... It's, he's not going to get fired, I don't think, but like he's being thrown into the fire from my eyes. And I just don't, I I hope he's resilient because he he is a great coach, great manager, done really good things with Brian and his previous team. Um, But man, what a tough, tough house to walk into. Well, you made a great point. You literally said it. These players have been there. They've done it before. Graham Potter has not. Graham Potter has not had the opportunity to play and to manage in Champions League, right? So his experience is going to be in those domestic tournaments in the domestic league. So for your answer, I would say, yeah, Champions League does not have to be the priority. And he's been given some leeway of they won't relieve him of his duties if he doesn't finish top four. So he has, you know, that whatever freedom to not do it. But obviously it's going to be their goal their goal is still to win the Premier League. They're still Chelsea Football Club. They still want to succeed and have a high standard. But Todd Bowley has said that, yeah, we're going to give him at least a little bit of time to figure things out. But yeah, I think you're right. It's not going to be the year for Chelsea to be running after Champions League with all they have because there's so much they can still do domestically. And that's what Graham Potter's going to do best is rally his team, um, hopefully fight for a cup, but... Yeah, Champions League won't be the big thing for them this year, so they'll make it out of the group stage. But yeah, I wouldn't see them fighting tooth and nail to come back as Champions League champions once again. Yeah, I I don't know. I just 
I don't think you hire Grant Potter and you care about Champions League because if you cared about Champions League, you wouldn't have fired Thomas Tuchel. Exactly. Like I think that's that's the difference. You wouldn't have let him spend over three hundred million pounds on a squad, and then can him and having already wanted to get rid of him. So I don't know. I think it. I think it's it's a long term hire, right? At least that's what Todd Bowley's selling. Um, you can question his football mind if he has one at all. Um, still want to touch on how stupid of a move it is to fire Thomas Ducal. Uh, Grand Potter, a great coach, sure. But if you're going to let him implement his style, implement his, you know, his tactics or whatever, like, so a lot of these big wage players are going to have to leave. They're going to have to, like, and this team, like, if you're committing to this guy, like, I'm the least, the thing I'm telling him is worry about results against Dinamo Zagreb or whoever like money. Yeah. Money for the club for sure. But you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's that's where all the money that, is. It's that both it's that both. And it's, if you get this great, but if not at least top six is kind of, yeah. is kind of where I'm feeling at, but it, there is huge bonuses for getting out of the champions league um, and falling down to Europa. Maybe Europa is more of a speed. I don't know. But it definitely will be interesting. I can't wait to see Chelsea. I don't know who they have this next week coming up but in domestic play. But I don't know. All those players, a lot of money was spent more than any other club in the Premier League. So curious yeah. to see what uh, what he can do with it. And I was watching a, a bit of the Men in Blazers show. And apparently there was potentially reportedly some correspondence between Graham Potter and Chelsea prior to his hiring and prior to Tuchel's yeah, firing of I heard that as well. him being in talks about transfers and things this summer window. So this might've been coming down the line a long time and absolutely kept out of Thomas Tuchel's ear and um, Graham Potter being in the loop. So a little bit of, you know, I don't know if that's tampering necessarily, but it is at least an interesting practice for Chelsea to be doing that behind closed doors. And um, I like that interesting practice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is something for sure, but we'll move on from them. A couple of the big results, uh, Liverpool, they stayed on track. Finally, um, getting the swing of things with a two, one win over Ajax and Ajax team. That's looked really good so far in the Dutch league. Um, Liverpool just uh, it's so annoying when they get these late goals. It feels like that's just what they do. Um, they get late goals. I think this one was from Joel Matzip, I believe, scored the late mm-hmm. um, winner um, in like the 84th minute. So Liverpool pulls another one out of their magic hat. Um, PSG All-Star Trio, they score some goals. Um, Benfica get the, way, the win at Juve 2-1. That's an interesting result, isn't it? Um, yes. Juve not looking like themselves. Also with that, I think Thomas Tuchel could slide right into Juventus. and It'd be a good hire. Potentially take them to a champions league you know on champions league run if that happens they might be a little bit of a dark horse but i don't know yeah allegory has not been a good hire he's just i've seen a lot of people talk about how he's destroyed juve football i don't know maybe i'm people italian so dramatic so dramatic (laughs) any of those people english people especially are so dramatic when it comes to soccer football um, but then in group B, Club Bruges is sitting atop that group. I don't know who is in group B, but the fact that they're Atletico sitting Madrid, Porto, Leverkusen, and wow. Leverkusen. Yeah, they were not the ones that people would have been uh, expected to be atop that group two match days in, now would they? Um, crazy, crazy things in the Champions League. We love it. You love it. Real quick, um, I got to ask the boys really quick. Oh, um, yes. 
impromptu goat goat decision. Holland or Mbappe? The Messi Ronaldo is transferring to the Holland Mbappe, both scoring Champions League this past week. Anything you can do, I can do better. Gut reaction, no explanation. Holland or Mbappe? You can give an explanation. I'm not going to say you can't, but Holland or Mbappe? I'll go to the most German looking person on this podcast, Brandon Paisnick. Uh, Holland, because he's never played in the Farmers League. Damn. All right. And he probably will never. Okay. Cool. And he'll, he'll do it wherever he goes. Oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I love it. Holland. And it's because he is a physical specimen that cannot be replicated. And I just like that he doesn't bring baggage with him like Mbappe does. I will go just for the sake of being different. Um, Mbappe. Uh, seeing him score some really cool goals against Real Madrid Champions League last year was awesome. Um, PSG is a Farmers League. Champions League isn't a Farmers League, though, and he's played in it for a while. Um, yeah, but yeah, but just, he hasn't just, won it. He hasn't <laughs> won it. He hasn't won it. He has won the World Cup. Yeah, well, Griezmann won the World Cup. Yeah, I don't know if he's hey. playing much. But, uh, no. but uh, just an interesting conversation that I, I'm sure I'm curious by the end of um, – this year where their where their stats will will be at but i, I was know, thinking I, about I, that I, literally today i think about who's as good as holland and i was like obviously it's mbappe I'm like that will be that's our it. messi ronaldo for as long as we live yep or like you know hopefully we'll see but it's it's hard to compare them because you know mbappe's become the transfer director at psg so it's like holland's not doing that at man city but mbappe is you know he's got the reins over there He's the puppet master at PSG, so it's a little different. You look at the two. Allegedly. (laughs) It's pretty clear at this point. Uh, Well, hey, let's jump from the Champions League to the Premier League. Uh, We've talked about this a little bit last episode, but with Queen Elizabeth II's untimely death, uh, the Premier League games were all canceled last week, so she really picked a terrible time to die. Um, (laughs) Awful. Yeah, really terrible. She couldn't have waited two weeks until the international break to not oh, screw good. up the Premier League schedule. Um, <laughs> really, really selfish. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you think I'm bad, you should see her own English supporters and uh, colonial partners who have been under their reign for 70 years. They would mm. also think what I'm saying is pretty correct. Anyways, that's a... Agreed. Oh, no, that's uh, regardless, those games were canceled now have to be rescheduled, which is already a terrible schedule because the World Cup is in the winter because of that corrupted thing that Qatar got the World Cup in freaking this December, November. You guys stop watching Johnny Harris, Cole. Uh, no, it's more than that. It's more than <laughs> that, Steve. They're, we can't let the people keep getting away with this. They First, will. Russia gets the World Cup. Qatar gets the World Cup. Oh, man. The world is corrupt. Young Saudi Arabia one. buys Newcastle. Oh, man. It's going to continue to happen. It's it's crazy. You know, all that to say, Premier League is back <laughs> this weekend, and it's really not even a good week of Premier League games. It kind of sucks, to be honest. Um, there's only one game that features two top half teams playing each other, so that's kind of lame. Well, it's because um, they had to cancel all the other ones because they're right. still okay. All for people that don't know or haven't been seeing the news, the reason that they're canceling games is not out of respect for the queen and her death. 
it's because they literally can't have enough police at the stadiums for the games. So the games that are going on this weekend have enough police force to 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 um, support the ongoing of the Premier League. Um, the other ones that were canceled is literally because they don't have enough police. Yeah. Yeah. So again, untimely. Couldn't have picked a worse time for our Liverpool. Sake. Liverpool will beg the differ. Um, True. This is very yeah. Fair. This is their bells going off in that city. Um, no, they need time to get their team healthy and get the team right. Uh, they dodge a matchup with Chelsea um, that would take place, and they get Brighton when they come back on October first. That's just I think of what team this impacts the most. Got to be Liverpool. Um, you're well, Liverpool and Chelsea, right? I mean. Yep. Yeah, Potter gets yeah. more time of that break a little bit to get to just literally meet his team, right? Like Liverpool just still cramp. doesn't have that depth though with Chelsea. But yes, yes, no, if it's true. not Liverpool, then it is Chelsea. Um, it's and this is like huge. Like this is going to impact. Like, I mean, who would like where these teams will finish? Um, and it's not too dramatic, I don't think, to say that, especially in regards to Liverpool, like. This team is battered and bruised. Chelsea getting a new coach now going from having two games a week with no time to train, getting games postponed that he can have more time with the squad. So, um, yeah, look, no, if it, you don't it, think they're sorry, go ahead, Cole. I was going to say it proved pivotal last year with so many COVID games. And I'll just say this one in particular because I was, you know, I know more about it, but the Tottenham Arsenal game supposed to happen in January. It gets moved to May. The stakes tripled practically. You know, it meant so much more to have that game late in the season. And it was also when both teams, you know, Tottenham got very hot and Arsenal started to cool down. So, yeah, it matters when you play these games, especially when you're on a roll or, as you're talking about Liverpool, when you've cooled off and you don't have a good start to the season. So, yes, it does matter when you play these games, and they've certainly dodged a bullet there. But, Brandon, you can go ahead. Yeah, last point, and we can get into to the meat of this, but – if you don't think they're they're bad or now it's going to help them, wait until they're playing four games in ten days, multiple times at the end of the season because they have to squish True. the squish it right. I mean, yep. I guess they could always extend the season, but I don't know the logistics around that. It's probably easier to you know shuffle the games in whenever they can. But Liverpool is going to be in four competitions most likely. Chelsea's going to be in four competitions most likely. Man City's going to be in four competitions most likely. Tottenham, all these all these teams that are having these extra games canceled too now and that's that's probably where it'll end um they're going to be playing four games in 10 days probably multiple times at the second half of the season so what that just writes injuries right that's just injuries all yep. all over that so yep we'll see we will see it's going to be interesting but yeah a team that might have dodged a bullet uh being tottenham they were slated to go up against man city that one gets pushed back and now they get bottom half leicester uh, last game before the international break, as we sort of mentioned, and this one has my eyes, not because I was Tottenham, because Leicester only have one point on this season. And for me, I'm looking at this and I'm believing that if Leicester lose this game, not only do they remain bottom of the table, but I believe that this will result the end of Brendan Rodgers' tenure with the Foxes. Um, I think his time has come to an end at this point. It's hard, you know, to find any real limelight. Uh, but I think this is a good timing for Leicester if they want it because of the international break. They can bring in someone new, give them two weeks or so to start getting you know things sort of sorted out and figured out. And 
I don't know if it's now or never, it feels like for me and Brendan Rodgers. Um, so if he loses Tottenham, getting one point out of seven games, it'll be it. Um, but really, I mean, Tottenham has to rebound from That's that bad. 2-0 loss against Sporting. So they'll be looking hungry and ready to perform. And Leicester, I don't know what motivation they have right now except to not be the worst team in the league. Um, Steven, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on um, Brendan Rodgers and his time at Leicester? Is he coming to the end or does he have time to recover? I don't know. I feel like he's played – He's you know, Leicester's off to a horrible start. But I still don't fire him um, after even if Tottenham wins because um, I think they will. Um, he's a great coach. Like it's, he, he hasn't been given any helping hands with the drama of Fofana or talk about no transfers really coming in. Um yeah, I, I I don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if they get fired if it's a bad game, if like which I don't think Tottenham's gonna go out there and score four goals. Um, we could. I mean, I don't know if that's the case. Then maybe if it's a bad loss, I think I said this a few episodes ago. But I don't know. Brendan Rodgers is a good coach, and who are you gonna replace him with? Um, not Thomas Tuchel. I'll tell you that. So uh, I think if Leicester you have to come off the nirvana of winning the Premier League back forever ago. The Cinderella story, being in top four, being in Europa League. and being in Conference League. <laughs> being in Conference League. It's just gradual step down. You're going to be a bottom half table team this year. Um, maybe give it a couple more weeks. I don't think he's exempt from firing or sacking, um, as they say. But... I, I don't think if I was a Leicester fan, I would feel great about firing Brendan Rod. I don't know if he's the the problem, per se. I've been watching a lot of Leicester's games, to be fair. But as a Tottenham fan, I'm very excited that we have him on the docket. Hopefully, Youngman Sun can get on the score sheet and play a full 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, in regard to Brendan Rodgers, it's 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 tough to call because he wasn't backed in the transfer window, and it was Not because um, Leicester, I guess, has taken a huge loss to their books and whatnot. Are you know trying to balance it and stay stay afloat, and whatever that means. Um, and so, if they fire him, I think his contract. Yeah. Like, to fire him, point. they have to pay I think fifteen million or something crazy. I read. If that's the case, they're not firing him. So it's really hard to see him go. He's, he's definitely one of the better managers in the premier league. Um, I don't even know where I'd rank him. Definitely easily top 10, maybe seven. Um, but his team is not looking like a seventh place team right now. Um, I think they looked pretty good their last game though. I remember saying that and their defense just ended up being awful. So, Tottenham could very well blow them out. I'm not going to say that they couldn't because yeah. with a with a leaky defense and that Tottenham offense hungry, Youngman Son could have a hat trick. Um, honestly, like uh, a hungry Youngman Son going at that that broken defense could really tear it up. But Brendan Rodgers is smart. He's been in the game a long time in the English game for a long time. A lot of these players are veterans as well. Um, I don't know. There's it's you know it's it's a really weird game, isn't it, Cole? Like I I can't. I guess you're you're biased, both of you, but I could really see a draw here because 
they are in a corner, right? If they don't start picking up points, next thing we know, it's going to be the World Cup, right? And then you have a second half of the season. But they typically say around Christmas, which is not really that time this year, um, that's when the table takes shape. And so after the World Cup, if they're still sitting down there, that is very, very alarming. So they're sort of getting backed up into that corner, and I think it's going to be a really interesting game this weekend. Yeah, no, I think I think a draw is a fair result. I think that's not something that is out of the realm of possibility, especially Tottenham hasn't had a loss yet. I mean, who's to say they won't lose back-to-back games coming from Champions League to Premier League? Premier League. So um, I don't know, it depends. It depends how Tottenham rebounds. If they can find that attitude to come back and be hungry like they have been in the past, Tottenham's going to be favored. But if they've stayed in that same form they had in uh, Portugal, they'll be in trouble. Um, so it will be interesting to see what happens with them. Um, Arsenal, though, they do sit top of the league still. They've lost one game against Manchester United. This is the one that features two top half teams. Brentford is sitting in eighth. Uh, good start for them. Arsenal, like I said, being top. Um, but can they hang on to that top spot going into the international break against Thomas Frank's Brentford? Uh, Brandon, we'll begin with you. Uh, Brentford, also Ivan Tony getting her, his first England call-up. Um, what can they manage against the Gooners? Again, greatly deserved. And we didn't talk about it on our last podcast, but that was my overreaction, which I don't think it was an overreaction, that Ivan Tony yeah. would be on the plane to Qatar um, for England. Um, yeah, I think this is a battle of the managers, really. Um, it's going to be a tactical battle. Um, these teams, I, not ironically, but interestingly enough, play similarly high intensity pressing um fastball movement um the only thing different is um i think in this game brentford's going to be defending a lot in their own half and be looking for that embuemo ball or that ivan tony ball out and then let that those two guys um go at an arsenal defense who at times in the past has been very, very, very suspect. And they haven't really been tested this year. And when they were um, against Manchester United, they gave up three goals. So I don't know. Another interesting game. Um, I think Arsenal will probably pull it out as a win. But I would not. It's, it's, at, it's at Brentford. So I would not be surprised if the, if the Bees snag. Man, it could be very exciting. I'll say a 2-1 win against Arsenal. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's Steve, fun. any thoughts? Um, I'm sticking on my Arsenal hype train. They're very good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah but this, th- this is the time they can prove they can beat smaller sides, right? It's proving grounds. Yeah. Uh, I say, you know, you just unleash. You know, you're all pent up not playing over this past weekend. And... um brand touching that high intensity i'm taking the high intensity players of arsenal on some well-rested legs because you know they're not playing any champions league <laughs> sorry um any uh <laughs> champions league games uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh but yeah i my money's on arsenal um to go out there and i think they'll boss it um Brantford's a great team they got a great coach um played very similarly like brandon was saying that's gonna make this game very entertaining um so yeah jesus looking to lock up that starting um striker position role on 
the most talented Brazil team in the past 20 years uh, for Qatar. So, yeah, it'll just be fun. It's going to be a good game, but my money's on Arsenal pretty confidently. Um, I think they'll walk away with a, with a win for sure. Good call. Uh, Brandon, round us out in the Premier League with the Villains. They're taking on Southampton. Uh, not a good start for the Villains, as we know. Um, Southampton looks good for 45 minutes to get the start of the season against Tottenham, and now things have progressed to where not their best season so far, but uh, what's this week going to look like for both squads as they go up against each other? Yeah, at Villa Park. Um, Villa have struggled, for my recent memory, against Southampton, and funny enough, it's usually Danny Ings scoring the goals. Or free kick expert um, James Ward-Prowse. I think he scored two and had two assists one of the last times we played them. Just insane. Um, So, yeah, if we don't give up um, fouls within a 30-yard radius of our goal. 50. 50 50-yard radius of our goal. (laughs) I think we might be okay. Um, Southampton is is a good team. They'll be middle of the table, obviously. Um, Villa needs to pick up points. I think, um, I think, I don't know why I'm confident in this, but I think it'll be a win for Villa. Um, Steven Gerrard really needs to prove himself. He really does. Um, sort of got lucky not having to play Leicester because that was a El Sakiko-esque game, like we've mentioned, um, against Brendan Rodgers and Steven Gerrard. But, yeah, I feel like Villa's going to win in some some way. Um, I hope a clean sheet. I hope it's one nothing nail-biter, honestly. I, I just – a clean sheet. Tyra Minks is, was left out of the England squad in this in this call-up, so he's been pretty much a mainstay for a while now. Looked good in the Euros when he had to fill in um, and actually has played pretty well since Steven Gerrard put him back in the team. So weird that he's not even on the roster – um, so he might've taken that to heart, might be wearing that on his sleeve this weekend. Ollie Watkins is also left out, um, deservedly, I will say. Um, so, you know, things to prove if they, if these guys want to make, make it on that, that England roster, which I think Tyron Mings really only has, he's the only one that has a chance, but yeah, Villa will win this game. <gasps> really? Um, at Villa park on a Friday night too. Not night Ooh. here, but night over there. Friday night in the lights at Villa Park. Magic's going to happen, baby. Oof. I'm all for it. I got nothing against Villa. Come on. Why not? Come on, the boys. Sounds Up good to me. I got Coutinho bagging a goal for sure. Yeah. He needs I'm, it. He I'm needs all it. about it. I'm all about it. He was also left out of the Brazil squad, by the way. So Still still a chance to get back into it, eh? Prove it, yeah. dude. Come on. Come on. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Well, as we do, we usually finish things up on the other side of the pond with the MLS. The Fast Five, uh, things have been closing up in MLS. We have four or five games left for each team. Um, So things are getting spicy coming down the line, down to the wire, which we'll start with a New York derby. NYCFC sitting fourth against New York Rebel, who are third in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Brandon, get us started the MLS Fast Five. Your quick result for the New York derby. It's at the baby field. It um, also they won a they won a Campione's Cup. By the way, I don't Campione, know if you saw that. Campione, and if you follow our Twitter, I said make another banner. Um, so because I, I thought that would be funny. Um, no one responded or liked it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, NYCFC. Sure, they'll win two one. 
Mm, I got uh, I got a fun 2-2 drop. Don't really care, to be honest. Um, but both good teams, third and fourth, like playoff teams, solid. Should be a good game. Campione's Cup hangover, Red Bull win 2-1. <laughs> okay. Analysis. <laughs> um, a team that's hungry for anything in the East is Atlanta United. They've won two straight. Well, guess what? They're taking wow. on the number one team in the East, Philadelphia Union, who Atlanta has not been able to beat, I think, ever. Uh, everything always goes bad against the Union. Um, but beating Orlando was huge. That was a must win. This is a must not lose for United once again. Uh, heck, I mean, shoot. Uh, why not 3-0 United? <laughs> what? Uh, we're not keeping a clean sheet. 2-1 United. We have to win. We have to. They give you hope. Come on. Three in a row. Oh, uh, yeah. I, we just can't lose. If you, if you get a point here, it's still big and it keeps the dreams alive. I just trying to remember Cole's prediction right there. Three zero. He's like, I don't think we've ever beaten them. Three zero United. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. Um, God, both y'all picking wins. Um, have to. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. We will keep a clean sheet. One nil. Atlanta United. Cheat. <laughs> Realistic <laughs> prediction that I'm not gonna say. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Okay. 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 Three one affiliate. If you speak, you was in trouble. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, uh, the other nine, se- the nine seated team in the West, Seattle taking on Vancouver Whitecaps, who are in eleventh. Um, Julian Gressel's good at soccer. He had a good assist this week, and he'll have another one in Seattle. But it's really just gonna be a two-two draw, so it doesn't really matter that much. Brandon. Mm. This is Steven's favorite team in the world. I think, um, yeah, they will win um, 2 nothing. Um, yeah, I big on Seattle here. They, I picked them to be one of the best teams in the MLS this year. They won the CONCACAF Champions League, um, but they're fighting for a playoff spot right now. So they need to get to that seventh uh, line right there in that Cascadia matchup. Like I mentioned, that trio rivalry of um, Seattle, Vancouver, and Portland. So it's going to be a big game at home. Seattle, I'm going 2-1. Um, and they are getting into that playoff spot. Well, I'll tell you what. LA Galaxy are eighth in the West and Colorado is tenth. But LA Galaxy should not be eighth in the West because freaking yep. Chicharito keeps getting his penalty saved. Um, he needs to step his game up if Galaxy are going to make the playoffs. But... Um, I do think they'll get a win here against Colorado. They need the points badly. They need to secure that playoff spot. I'll give them a 2-0 win. I'm not super high on Colorado's defensive ability. and I think LA, they should be a playoff team. They have too much talent, especially up front, to not make the playoffs. Yep, I agree with that. It's at home out in Carson. And, um, yeah, they'll win um, 2-1 galaxy yeah i'd say it's a must win um bringing in a barcelona player and ricky pooch puig pooch i see people pronounce different things um yeah they got a lot of money douglas costa ricky Pig, puig um chicharito this is a very very 
very like stacked payroll team um and expectations are high in la so they must win and i think they will i think they'll win two to one however colorado scrappy and don't be surprised if uh canadian international mark anthony k bosses it around that midfield in colorado as well he's a force to be reckoned with mm. well orlando coming out of the u.s open cup victory and then they they lost to atlanta they take on bottom feeders toronto um at home they'll probably be doing okay we need them to lose being atlanta fans but they'll probably tie toronto 1-1 because bernadeshi assists insignia on a goal um yeah i'll take a 1-1 draw steve brandon thoughts one nothing toronto yeah brandon's toronto's team here um Brandon, in the beginning of the season on our MLS preview, saying they are a playoff team. I said they could make a run late manage, in the season. Manager <laughs> of the year. But the it I, hasn't Ice come Man, White together. Walker. It hasn't come together for Bob Bradley. However, however, um, I think I think Toronto's gonna get the win. Uh, Orlando did just win the US Open Cup, but they have lost two domestic um, league games in a row um kind of on the downside and toronto's a good team i will like i will say that like insigne like brandeshi like this is a very talented team um they're gonna score goals as well um and orlando looks like they are having a hard time doing that so the fact that Atlanta united kept clean sheet against them is kind of wild honestly away and so even the games Massive. that toronto's losing they're scoring like two goals a game um so i think there'll be some goals i think it'll be a fun game and i say toronto takes it two zero Big Toronto fans here. Big, Big Toronto, Toronto fans. fans. Anything to help United scratch their way into the playoff spot. <laughs> please, please. please. That, that too. Everything. <laughs> we, don't, we don't deserve it. Like, we don't. No. But just give it to me. No, no, no. Give us yeah. hope and we roll with it. Oh. Atlanta <laughs> fans and hope. That kills it, you. It's yeah, been a it's journey. It's been a journey with Atlanta fan, Atlanta teams and their hope they give you. But um, that about does it on today's journey on the bad fan. Um, we talked about football soccer everything in between it's been a great episode thank you guys for sticking out with us today episode 37 of the bad fan um international break coming up with soccer um lots to talk about in between then and uh, we'll certainly keep you guys updated on anything that you need to know about um but for brandon steven and i um that about wraps things up and we'll thank you for supporting our coverage of things like the premier league mls nfl and college football um we hope you do so by giving us a follow, subscribing, leaving a like or a comment on YouTube, Twitter, or Instagram. Uh, click that bell below the video to know whenever we post. Um, you can always see new episodes like this one from the back end. Um, but yeah, thank you so much once again. I have been Cole Carter. They have been Steven and Brandon. We'll see you guys in the next one. Until then, take care, enjoy the weekend, and peace out.